2: In the last three decades, I've learned a lot about what works and what doesn't when it comes to happy, connected relationships and effective communication. Being the 200th episode of the podcast, "Q drums, and excitement, <laughs> I thought it'd be the perfect time to recap my top 10 tools for effective communication in every relationship, so stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all around relationship maven, with over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Holy crap. Welcome to the podcast. It's Abby. I know you know who it is. It's my 200th episode. Oh my gosh. We are closing out the fourth season of the the podcast. And I have to tell you that when I started this journey four years ago, I never imagined we'd grow. We're in over 150 countries around the world. I think it's actually more than that now. We're going to be closing on a million downloads. And it's just been, it's been one of the happiest journeys of my life. So, oh, I'm going to start crying already. Here we go. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll try to save some of the love for the end, but I just can't thank you enough for being here with me all this time. and your questions and writing in and your comments, your beautiful reviews, keep leaving them. Um, I read every one of them and your emails and it just reaches my heart in ways I I can't really fully adequately express. So thank you. Thank you. Um, I love our relationship. I love what we're doing together. And uh, we're creating world peace. We're, we're changing lives every day. And every time you share the podcast, every time you act differently because of something you learned, every time you give me feedback so I can make it better or answer a question that you still want, all of that is adding in our own little way, all of us to uh, a better world. And And that's why we're here. So uh, what I do every year, I take uh, four weeks off from the podcast every year. Um, I take uh, every season, I should say, which is about a year. I take off two weeks in July, which is going to be right after this. Uh, we're going to mark this 200th episode, and then there will be two weeks off. And then the podcast will be back August 1st. And then I always take two weeks off for right around the holidays at the end of December. So, um, uh, you know, and it's good for me. I get a little, I take my little break. I get a rest. I get rejuvenated and excited, although I'm pretty excited today. Um, but you know, that's how I've been doing it these years. And again, it's just been, it's been an amazing ride and we just keep growing and getting bigger. And I I can't wait to see what adventures are next. So I'm excited. And of course I'm excited for today. Uh, I have been putting together, um, a new course I'm going to do about, uh, effective communication for couples, right? Like really zeroing in on couples and having something that was, uh, I'm actually excited to come out with it. Um, hopefully by the time I start the fifth season, it'll be out. And it's going to be something where, you know, we're all so tired of reading books and (sighs) we just sort of want it hand fed, right? Like just do this today. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create like a little mini thing where you can just focus on one thing a day, just that thing, you know, for a day or a week and that's all. And just get that down. Just, you know, create that new little tool. And then the following week I'll send you one other thing and we're gonna do it that way. Um, I'm gonna make it as simple and pare down as I can. And in doing that, this is actually kind of a little bit of a sneak peek because a lot of the things I'm gonna mention today, I mention in that course. The course is much longer, of course, and has much more, but um, this is a little, this is a good little uh, little drip. Uh, that way and we'll we'll come back to it. So these are tools though that are going to work in all of your relationships and really all my tools work in all relationships, but these are really the ones I think that whether you're talking about you want to communicate better with your partner or at work or um whatever you know these are the ones and i'll probably in some ways be defaulting to the partner relationship a lot because that's you know really how i started this podcast uh, but again it's all relationships and so even if i'm just saying partner today uh in in one of the examples let's say obviously you can extract extrapolate that to work or friends or your parents or your siblings or whoever else is important to you that you need to figure out how to communicate better with so i'm going to be covering I think some, real again, these are like the ones, these are the the tried and true, the ones I keep coming back to no matter what. So let's get to it, my top 10 tools. Tool number one, you already know what it's gonna be, so I'm not gonna spend much time on it. Cause you know, right? If you don't know, you have not been listening to me for very long. (laughs) You know I'm gonna say being mindful and meditating daily. And I'm gonna put those together because, and I wanna say this in a new way. Here we go. Ready? And this is actually a, one of the parables that gets talked about a lot when it comes to meditation. And so I wanna just just say this. So what, first of all, there's no greater tool, communication tool, period, than being mindful. It is what you gotta have or all the tools I'm gonna give you, you're not gonna do very well. I don't know what else to say. And if you can meditate every day for just 15 minutes, you don't have to do more than that. 15 minutes a day, I'm gonna really hammer that home. It will change your life and it'll change it quickly. It'll change your ability to communicate. It'll change how you feel about things, how you feel about yourself. It just, it's a game changer. And one of the things we use, this parable I was mentioning, is I want you to think of it like this. I want you to think of mindfulness and meditation, meditation specifically like this. And meditation is just a way to get more mindful. It's, it's, it, it's a it's a quicker way to get to mindfulness. There's a lot of things you can do for mindfulness. You can download my mindfulness starter kit to get going. You can listen, you know, I'll link in the show notes to all the things I've done on mindfulness. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to make it a consistent habit and all the good things. But I will tell you that I want you to think of it like this. Picture a huge jug of water, big jug of water. Your mind is the water. That's that in the jug, that's your mind, all the beautiful water, that nice clear water. But now let's take the top off the jug and we're gonna pour in like a cup of dirt, you know, just dirt, (laughs) just gonna pour in soil, dirt. And we're gonna put the top back on and now you're gonna pick up that big jug and you're gonna shake it. You're just gonna shake that jug. Now that's your day-to-day life as you jump from what Buddhists call monkey mind. You know, as you jump from thought to thought to thought, Your thoughts, that beautiful, clear water gets clouded, right? That's what's going to happen in that big jug. All that stuff you're thinking about, as you agitate it, as you shake it, as you agitate it, that's what you're doing all day in your head. You're agitating your thoughts. You're agitating your mind. you It becomes very hard to see or to think clearly, right? You can't see through that water. It's very murky. It's very difficult. But if I were to set that jug down, let's just set it on the table right now. Just set it down. And if you were still, if you kept that jug still for just a few minutes, what you would find is that all that debris, all that dirt, all that stuff would just float to the bottom, right? That's what's going to happen. It's going to float to the bottom. A, a, A magic fairy doesn't come and make it go away. That's not what happens. But that is what happens with meditation. When you are still like that, when you allow, when you just let the thing settle, what happens is when you're thinking about your life or you're thinking about a problem or you have to communicate with someone or whatever it is, it's your mind becomes very clear and you can see that dirt on the bottom. You can, you have like a third party view. You can uh, have some distance and look down and see. So the debris is still there. The dirt is still there, but you have a clearer view of it you're able to think more clearly about it. And that's what meditation will give you. That is the the secret sauce. And it's also really important to be just that stillness because it's really when our higher power speaks to us or your source or your inner being, whatever you like to think about, that's that time when you empty your mind that you really get to know that part of yourself. And I am a big proponent of, uh, not meditating to you know guided things but instead to really truly empty your mind and just focus and I have you know I have uh, the meditation starter kit which you can download for free or you can get the little an album I made it's like a little course that helps you to learn how to meditate in 15 minutes in just 15 days and you know it's not expensive. I made it very affordable so that you'll do it and it's what I do. it's how I taught myself well I was taught, and it's what I do and I, I kind of hold your hand through it to get you to that place in just a couple weeks. So I can't I don't know what to say, you know when you're consciously aware of how you're thinking and feeling in a moment, you're going to be able to act, not react. That's how you do it. That's how you stop those crazy reactions you've I know I've had them too. You'll, you're going to see your fear come up. You're going to feel it, see it, and you'll be able to regulate your emotions and your reactions so you can have more rational, clear, loving conversations. And by the way, I'm going to say loving a lot today, loving conversations. And obviously, if you're at work with a coworker, I know you're not thinking like, oh, I love them. But when I say loving, remember, I'm talking about coming from the love-based part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, your neocortex. So I'm talking about compassion, understanding, kindness, gentleness, patience, <laughs> all those things. So just know when I say loving conversations, that's what I'm talking about today. So don't, don't get turned off by that that language. Uh, you know, and get, when you're distracted and not in the here and now that's where all those unhealthy responses come from. And you know it, you've thought of it. You Later on after a conversation, you're like, oh, why didn't I do whatever? Why didn't I say this? Or why did I say this? Or you know how you forget all the great tools in the heat of the moment? It's because you're not mindful. Mindfulness, it's a cure. I don't know what else to say of all these things really. And it takes just minutes a day to become really, really good at mindfulness. So I preach it. I talk about it a lot because it's the key. And again, if you can just learn to, you know, get into the habit of meditating for 15 minutes a day, it will change your life and make your mindfulness better. Your your brain will be able to calm itself more during the day. So can't say enough. There you go. Well, I guess I can say enough because here I am. All right. Top tool number two. You got to decide. And by the way, you've heard a lot of these before on the podcast. I'm just putting them all together in a wonderful way for you today. Because um, number one, we miss things sometimes. Repetition is a good thing. And number two, you might not have listened to my 200 episodes. <laughs> and number three, uh, you know, it, it's because th- th- these are really the the top top. So of course, I'm going to have said them more than once. All right. So number two is you have to decide if you wanna be correct or effective. That's, I'd say the very, and I'm putting these in order. I I have these in sort of an order. Some of these are interchangeable, but I would say that these top two things, the mindfulness is number one, and this is definitely number two. If you can be right all day, I say it all the time, you can be right all day. You can be right all day long that your partner shouldn't leave their dirty dishes on the counter. But if you've asked multiple times for them to stop and it's still happening, then you're not being effective. And instead, you're just feeling resentful and frustrated. So not, that's not effective either, right? Not only are you not getting the dishes put away, but you feel crappy. And to me, part of being effective means that you feel okay. So you can be right all day that your coworkers should be more thoughtful of the team and get their work in on time so everyone's not waiting for them. But if you've been complaining about them for a while and it's not changed, you're not being very effective. And again, not only are they not changing, but you feel like crap. So not effective not effective. So, and I'm hitting my water. I'm going to take a sip. Maybe that was God's way of telling me to sip my water if I kept hitting it with my hand. Okay. When you focus on being right, and I know, cause I, you know, I like to be right. I feel like I'm right all day talking to you. I mean, please. When you focus on being right, it means the other person must be wrong and communication, connection, it's all gone you've got to choose each and every time when you're having these conversations. Do I want to be correct or do I want to be effective? It's the old happy or right, you know, but you can't be both. I'm sorry. You can't be both correct and effective. (laughs) It's just not going to work. So next time you want to tell someone how wrong they are, stop and think, right? And the questions I, I stop and think to myself are, how do I want to feel after this conversation? That will Always, always change how I'm approaching someone. Because if I want to feel calm and happy with how I acted and loving and kind and patient, if I want to feel that way when I walk away, if I want to f- walk away feeling like I was heard, then that's going to change how I approach someone. And the other thing I think so I think, how do I want to feel after this conversation? And then I also think, how do I want this, my partner or my friend to feel after this conversation, because again, this is going to change how I approach them, my tone, how I talk. So if you want the other person to feel like shit, then probably go along with whatever you've been doing. But again, it's not going to be correct. It's not going to be, it's going to be correct, not effective. And you're not going to have really what you want, right? You're not going to get to where you want to be. So how do I want to feel how do I want them to feel that will help you think about a, a different kind of strategy To get you close to what you really want, which by the way is always again Not just them doing what you want Because that doesn't always happen, but that you can walk away feeling good that can always happen How do you like that that can always happen? We can't control others, but we can control ourselves so and you walking away feeling Like I did the best I could I, you know, I was really patient and kind. I'd put everything out there and you walking away with that is going to be huge because it's also when you're in that frame, you'll think of other solutions. You'll, you'll think of other, maybe you'll leave this thing alone and decide you don't even have to worry about it. I don't know, but I will tell you that you will have different thoughts after approaching a problem or a conversation in this way than the, than the other way. Okay. Top tool number three, let's get to three. You have to connect to correct. I know you've heard me say it. You need to connect emotionally with another person if you want to be heard. That's just it. And that's what communication is, right? We feel like they heard us, we heard them. So before you correct someone, and this is true again at work or anywhere else, it's not just in romance, but... Before you correct someone else about something or ask for something to change, you know, I don't like this thing, I want you to do it this way. Make sure there's some kind of connection first. And I say it all the time, the best time to speak to someone about something that's bothering you is when you're doing great with them. <laughs> it's when you're really getting along well and the two of you are vibing. That is the best time to bring something up because you both of you are in this kind of higher vibration. What a great time to bring something up. But of course, you're going, oh, I don't want to rock the boat now, Abby. Oh my gosh, we're getting along. I don't want to poke the bear. It, it, and you can't be in that fear state. Again, when you're connected, you can do corrections much easier. Uh, And again, which means having someone really do this thing you want. Now, you're not listening to this because you tell a coworker, hey, could you get that report to me by four? And they always get it to you by four. You're already effectively communicating for whatever reason, and that's fine. I'm talking about when that's not happening, that you're listening because you're thinking of times when you don't communicate effectively, when something isn't happening and you ask over and over and nothing changes. So you want to connect to correct. You want to figure out that connection first, get into some kind of good place. When you're both in a horrible place, not a great time to try things. It's just not, and you know, you already know because you've been trying it and it hasn't been working. We're... That it's also why you know that whole thing, like, don't go to bed angry, Uh, go to bed angry. It's fine, it's not a good time to be talking when you're both exhausted and overwhelmed at two in the morning. It's just the vast majority of times that doesn't work out well. All right, top tool for effective communication in every relationship, number four, and you've heard me say this set intention often. Often, I call setting intention the 18-second shift because I've timed it because I'm that insane. I timed it multiple times, and it takes an average of 18 seconds. So if you don't have 18 seconds, what do I always say? If you don't have 18 seconds, I can't help you. 18 seconds. When you consciously set a positive intention for how you wanna be before you walk into work or before you sit down to a meal with your partner, You know, before you're gonna have this conversation, The other person will 100% notice because they'll feel your intention. Even if you don't state it out loud, it's a way to easily and quickly shift your attention. When you set intention, it shifts your attention to what you want and it helps you keep your eye on the prize. I would say of all the things I teach over all these years, this is the one my clients say over and over is a game changer. And I will tell you, I find it to be a game changer in my own life. And remember We, our conscious brains process information at a rate of 50 bits per second, while our unconscious brains process information at a rate of 11 million bits per second, which means that people don't hear what you say, they hear what you mean. So when you set intention, I'm fixing my hair if you're watching me on YouTube. Okay. So, so when we Set intention, we are aligning that 50 bits and that 11 million bits so people can really get what we're saying because they're keying into that. And your intention, and when you set it, keys into that 11 million bits. So it's so, so important. And And I also like setting intentions out loud. So yeah, you can set them and no one has to know and you just do it and you walk in with that energy intact. But setting them out loud before you begin a dialogue with someone or a conversation with someone is also so powerful. Um your intentions can also just be what your expectations are. So it might be, hey, I I want to talk to you. I don't want any suggestions or advice. I have to do this with Gary, you know, I'll say to him, and he appreciates it. And when I just say to him, babe, I got something to talk about. I don't want any suggestions, no advice. I just need you to your support. I just want you to listen with an open mind. I just want you to hear me. Um, and I'll usually ask, is this a good time for that? Is this a time when you feel like we can do that? And that is also a great way to show, I'm showing my intentions, right? I'm putting out there. And then of course, there's the really just, you know, it's my intention that we have a great conversation and that we listen to one another. It's my intention that we walk away both feeling uh that we 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 really both feeling like we really got hurt something like that you can so again, you can say them out loud, you can ask the other person to also what's your intention in this conversation. It is a great amazing way to have effective communication you will it I'm telling you it works tremendously, so do it internally, do it externally, do it both ways, even better <laughs> more more is always better right uh it it's really uh how I want you to start thinking, okay. Top tool number five, don't sack your relationship, S-A-C, don't sack the conversation, don't sack what's happening. So make sure you don't, in any dialogue, you don't want to sack, S-A-C, this means you don't offer suggestions, the S is for suggestions, you don't give advice, the A is for advice or criticize, S-A-C, suggestions, advice or criticize, you don't offer suggestions, give advice or criticize. And <laughs> I know most people are like, well, what's left, Abby? Uh, you want to affirm and ask open-ended collaborative questions. That's what you want to do. You want to affirm and ask these open-ended questions. Deepening communication is really, and, and having a, a deeper way that you connect with someone, it's all about non-judgmental listening. And we get there by not giving suggestions, offering advice, or criticizing what someone else is doing. It's important you know, what do I say? Listen like you're wrong. Listen like you're wrong, my friend, because you when you're sure you're right about something or you're trying to convince someone to come over to your way of thinking, there's that correct or effective again. That's why that was earlier. You're no longer really listening. You know you're not. You're, you're, you're not listening anymore because you're just trying to get your point across, which means no effective communication. There's no problem solving. Nothing there can happen. So, Communication is a two-way street. It means that you say something and it's heard on the other side. It's, and maybe they even say something to you about it and then you hear them and then we have this beautiful back and forth. So if you practice listening like you're wrong when someone is sharing their point of view, it'll really open up your brain. It'll, what do I I talk about a lot? Curiosity. You gotta make curiosity openness and willingness your main goals when you're listening to differing opinions when you're listening to what someone else is saying not just what you're saying and i'll say you know this is important in every relationship obviously spe- maybe especially in your romantic ones because you have to think of you and your partner you're a team so anything you're sh- they're struggling with is shared so if they're struggling with something that you're trying to get across you're struggling with it too. And you know that feeling. And it again, that's not just true romantic. That's true at work. It's true everywhere. You know, when you've tried to say something to someone and they're not getting your point, they're not understanding, it is so frustrating. And now, and they're frustrated too, because they're not getting it and you're not getting it. And everyone is upset. Asking collaborative questions is the way to be, you know, a great teammate and let your partner or your coworker or your friend know that they don't have to tackle their issue alone, right? You help them find healthy solutions to what's bothering them, what's bothering you. And you do that again with these open-ended questions, which are basically questions that you can't, can't be answered with something like yes, no, good, fine, or shoulder shrug. So they are questions that kind of open the dialogue. And you know, my favorite, favorite collaborative question is, could you tell me more about X? So let's say I'm even going into something that I want to talk to you about. It's bothering me. I'm going to stop first. I'm going to do all the things I just mentioned. I'm going to set intention. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to write all the things. I'm going to. I want to be effective, not correct. So I really want to hear. So maybe I had. um, Maybe we had. I, I just was so frustrated with how you did a project yesterday at work. I mean, I was killing myself, and I'm thinking, how could this person possibly think this is okay? Y- you could ask questions. You know, could you tell me more about? Uh, could you tell me more about how you came to your solution on this project? Like, tell me more about how you worked that through. Where did you start? Where did you end? What kind of questions? Did, you know, don't fire these all off, but you. Know, I'm, I'm giving you examples to ask. Tell me more about that question is amazing. Could you tell me more about um, how you felt? Could you, you know, well, then you could just say that. Could you tell me, how did you feel when we left our conversation yesterday? I, I know I had some feelings, but I want to hear yours first. What? How did you feel when we walked away? Because you'll be surprised. Sometimes people felt totally fine and you were really frustrated and they didn't even know. Or the opposite. You weren't frustrated. You were sad maybe about something and they felt like you were angry. So it's so good to have this conversation first, that kind of question first to find out, uh, because people can't read your mind and you can't read theirs. I say it all the time. And so you really want to ask the question to learn why, what, how, you know, all those things. Um, you know, other collaborative questions I, I mention a lot, you know, if there was one thing I could do to help you right now, what would it be? Uh, what have you already tried that's worked? What have you already tried that hasn't worked? You know, is there anything you need right now? Uh, it depends on what kind of conversation you're having and what kind of information you're trying to get. But if you want to effectively communicate, you, you've got to stop. And the affirming just means that you find a space like that conversation with your coworker, You know. Um hey hey Joe, you can you tell me more about your thinking yesterday when you were approaching that project. And you know, you're I know you're you're such a diligent worker and it didn't feel that way to me yesterday. Could you could you tell me more about that, you know? Or something like that. You know, if you can affirm though without saying the negative, it's even better. Like, you know, I know you're I know you think really diligently about things. So I want to hear from you. Uh, how you came to your thought process yesterday about X, Y, or Z. Um...
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: You know, I know you're a great dad. You're a great dad and you really value our children. I know you do. Um, and I appreciate that. And. I want to talk about, so I, so I want to talk, and I want to talk about, you know, that conversation you had with little jo- Johnny yesterday or whatever, you know, tell me more about that. Or I, I remember you were frustrated with whatever yesterday, tell me more. Again, it's just a way to start the conversation going. And because when you stop offering suggestions and instead ask questions, you you show the other person that you have their back and that together you can solve whatever comes your way right? But when you are doing it that other way, when you're making suggestions, you know, this is really, I, that was stupid what you did yesterday, you should do this. Obviously, that's not going to go very far. And if someone approached you that way, they wouldn't get very far either. So clearly think about what would work for you too. And that would be for someone to try to understand your point of view. And it has to be authentic. You can't go in asking these questions, but in your head, you're already knowing what the answer is. You have to go in saying that you don't know the answer. You think you do maybe, but you don't. So, and that actually, that brings me so beautifully to top tool number six, which is that I want you to communicate in a triangle, not a line, okay? I know, triangle, not a line. Most people when they're communicating with someone. So I think I have my way of doing it, right? I if I if Again, if you're listening right now, it's, it's because you're trying to communicate more effectively. So there's plenty of times you communicate effectively and you're not listening for that. You're listening for right now because there's times when you're trying to get someone to understand something and they're not. So what happens is you're on your side, right? And they're on their side because, well, because you, you've put yourselves on opposite sides. If they're not doing this thing you think is important that you think should happen, then you're on opposite sides. That's just how it is. We're in a line. I'm over here at point A and you're over there on point B and we, or point G or Z. <laughs> and I, we're trying, and what happens a lot is you try to negotiate along that line. Uh, you think, well, you're over there and I'm over here. So what's something in the middle where we could agree, kind of agree to disagree, but somewhere in the middle. And when you approach issues like this, first of all, there's no middle, there's no middle, there's no exact middle. So we know from the research on negotiations that both people, both parties walk away feeling like they gave up more than the other person or party. So everybody walks away feeling resentful and like they gave up more than the other and that, you know, they sacrificed more. That's what happens. So that's not effective as far as I'm concerned. That is not effective. So you could come to a decision that way. But to me, it's not an effective decision because effective means everybody, hopefully at least you, walks away feeling uh, confident and clear and loving and kind and that ain't happening when you do these decisions along a line, communicate along a line. So instead, I want you to think of communication as a triangle. So you and this other person are both at the base of the triangle, you're at A, they're at B, and you're trying to meet you know at a point above you, you know, at the top of the triangle, that little point, let's say call that C at the top. And we don't even know what that is yet. That's a potential we don't know. That's something we haven't figured out yet. And you get there by asking these collaborative questions, by being curious, by being open, by really wanting a dialogue, by deciding you don't know what's right. And when the two of you start talking like that, it really creates something else at the top. It really helps everybody get to a different place. And I, and I'm going to, I'm going to give a quick example right here because it's a really good one from a client I had, I worked with a while ago. Um, And he and his partner had decided to save money for a house. And so they were uh, renting a place. They, they moved away from where they lived in the city. They were living in San Francisco, very expensive, and they moved farther away so that, and they actually moved so the the girlfriend the fiance worked in san right outside of san francisco she was right there and had like a you know 30 minute or 20 minute commute usually and he had about a 45 minute commute and they decided to move towards his 45 minute commute like so that his was shorter so they were like, "Well, why, why doesn't his get shorter now and, and it was much cheaper to live out where he was, where he was working. So that seemed to make sense to everybody. They agreed to this. they came together, but uh and they knew that the because it was going to be a yucky commute for her going into the city, that's a different commute right than than the opposite he was having the opposite commute. He was going out of the city, so it was taking 45 minutes, but it was actually taking a little less 40 minutes or so. but for her to go in, it was taking about an hour and a half. And, but they agreed to this and they knew it and they said yes. And about three months in, she was miserable. She was complaining all the time about this commute, you know, three hours of her day were suddenly gone. It was a lot. And she was having a really hard time adjusting and she was just complaining. And he was very steadfast, like, cause they had spent all this money on the move and they were saving. And he's like, you have to stop complaining about this. You know, you agreed, we both agreed, this is what we're doing and you're just going to have to, you know, it's just a couple of years. They figured out that they could save over like two years, I think it was. And, um, and she was getting more and more miserable and she was snapping at him. But other times she was getting resentful. It was really, their relationship was deteriorating very quickly from this commute of hers. And around month six, it was really bad. Um, And they were fighting a lot about things because she was also then, of course, seeing other things in the relationship is not fair. And she was kind of, you know, grabbing onto other things. And it it also meant that he had to do more work around that at home because she wasn't home as much, right? Three hours a day is gone. She had before about 20 minutes, you know, 40 minutes gone as opposed to three hours. That's a lot of different time, right? So you know, cooking for dinner and doing stuff and shopping. She was, you know, and he wasn't doing the same job she would have done, you know, right? You can see how this really started to fall apart and their relationship started to change. And I said to him, you have to go back. You guys are trying to do this on a line. You're trying to, you know, you haven't created a triangle yet. Like, what is another option? Instead of fighting her on this, you agreed, that's it. You know, it's gotta be here. We have to figure out something else. They kept trying to problem solve along that line. I said, what, you know, what if you just thought, just started brainstorming together? Like, what other options are there? What else could we do? What if you agreed with her? And that's what he did. He went back, you know, after a few sessions of us talking about this, and he he kind of got it. And he did. He was like, he just got real down with her. Like, I'm so sorry you're feeling this way. He was seeing the tiger, not trying to fix the tiger. I see what's happening. I feel like I've been really dismissive about it because we agreed on this and I don't want to be there anymore. And she, of course, was all she's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. And I'm so sorry. And I've been so yucky about this. And never mind. I understand I have to do it. And I'm just going to keep doing it. And he came back to me and he's like, it was great. You know, we had this wonderful conversation. We even had sex afterwards. And she really got it that she just has to kind of put up with it. And, and she feels better about it. And I was like, I don't know that that's going to last. Because you're still not really problem solving. You just went in and said I, that you, you just were empathetic, you know, and, 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 and stopped fighting her having these feelings about it. And sure enough, a few weeks in, she was back to complaining. So again, he went back and he's like, all right, you know, let's, let's really problem solve this. Let's, make, let's brainstorm ideas. And they did. They brainstormed all these different ideas they could have for how this could be different. And what they ended up with, by the way, was something where she, uh, and this is before the pandemic, but she found that she could work from home one day a week. Her boss agreed to one day a week. And then uh, two of the other days a week, she had a friend in the city and she stayed overnight with her. And her friend agreed to this and they actually paid the friend a little bit of money, but still a lot less than they were right before. And... Uh, she only had a commute then two days a week, which was very doable to her. She had no problems with it. But they would never have gotten there if they hadn't brainstormed together a new solution, You know, a new idea, a new way to do it. Because on that line, it looks like, well, we either have to go back to having no commute and give up our dreams of buying a house, or you have to put up with this. And. In, instead, there were all these wonderful different ideas they came up with and they brainstormed. So I'm spending the time to tell you the story because it's so important that you, you think of something new together and get out of that thinking on a line. All right. Tool number seven. And this comes up so much, so much. And I think it's the root of hap- unhappiness and the root of evil, <laughs> and the root of failed communication is. That we, uh, you you have to stop assigning meaning or definitions to another person's actions. We do this reading minds thing. You can't read their minds. You have to stop. But beyond that, you have to stop defining things. Uh, and I hear it all the time. Oh, if he appreciated me, he wouldn't leave his dishes around. He thinks I'm his maid, you know, and he leaves his so- dirty socks on the floor. Uh, she knew she was being mean when she said that to me. She knew she was gonna that was going to upset me. And she said it anyway. He's not paying attention to me because he's fallen out of love with me. You know, I could go on and on and on, all these examples of ways that people are ascribing meaning to something their partner, their friend, their coworker, somebody is doing or isn't doing. And, you know, it's all a guess. You're just, you're filling in the blanks. That's what happens with your brain. When your brain, your brain is built to fill in blanks when it's scared, when it's unsure. And that means usually that it gets filled up with, Wrong facts, erroneous facts. So it and it adds up to bad assumptions, to disjointed communication. If it 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 never works, it doesn't work. If you're having a feeling about something, ask for clarification. What did you mean when you said X? Uh, you know, tell me again. Be curious. What were you thinking? My reaction would be when you did Y. You know, ask from an open and loving heart find out what the other person truly means and stop assuming. You have to stop assuming that you know. You have to really ask, tell me more about, you know, even if it's something mundane like cleaning the kitchen and you don't feel like your partner cleans the kitchen very well, you can just stop and say, okay, tell me more about the kitchen. Tell me, you know, I I, I really want to know. I'm not going to criticize you. I'm not down on you. I really want to understand what is your thinking when you're cleaning the kitchen? Like, how do you, is this just like a stupid thing to get done? Is this only to please me? Like, what? what is it? I, I just need to know. And don't, try not to give too many suggestions to what they're thinking, but try to help ask questions. You don't want to sack. Ask questions to help them get there. But this is such a great way to open dialogue. So when you find yourself, when you're mindful, you can do this, when you find yourself defining something or ascribing meaning to something, I need you to stop and check yourself. Check yourself while you wreck yourself, right? Yeah, check yourself because it's not true. It's just not. And I don't care how right you think you are, and I'm not going to get all into it now about, you know, remember our confirmation bias, your reticular activating system. I've talked about in other podcasts. I'm not going there right now. But there's a lot of things happening in your brain that are skewing your perceptions that you think are so correct because they're not. So Get rid of that. All right. Tool number eight. You connect with feelings, not thoughts. End of story. And communication happens through connection. So, when you connect on a feeling level with another person, you end up communicating something. That's where that starts to really happen. The problem is that so many of the discussions we have, I won't even say most, (laughs) but I won't. I'll say so many. So many of the discussions we have revolve around the content of what you're talking about, you know, the logistics, the facts, the people, your thoughts about things, et cetera, all that. It's the facts. So you really want to, when you're trying to communicate, ask the other person as often as possible how they feel in a dialogue and make sure they're answering with a feeling, you know, mad, glad, happy, sad, angry, overwhelmed, upset, whatever, and not a thought. Well, I feel like you should have told me about your problems at work, right? <laughs> you know, if they answer with a thought, gently ask them to share how they feel. And this sometimes takes a few rounds, just so you know. I do it with clients all the time. I'll say, Well, how are you feeling right now? As we're having this conversation, they'll say, Well, you know, I'm just uh and they never say they don't say if not never. They often don't say a feeling. They'll say, Well, I'm uh I'm really uh I- I'm thinking that we should just this or uh, I'm just trying to express to you that I want to have you think this way or, or understand this or whatever. They tell me these thoughts they're having, not their feeling. And I often have to go back, but okay, those are thoughts. We'll come back to those. What are you feeling? Mad, glad, angry, sad, you know, overwhelmed. What's a feeling? And that's when, and people, it often, again, takes a few rounds, but that's where it really is. Because if, they'll, if they will say to you, finally, well, I'm feeling, you know, angry, and you can even under that say, well, what else are you feeling? Okay, besides anger, you got anger. Remember, anger is a top emotion, right? You know, what else? If you had to name two other feelings, what would they be? And you'll often get to the fact that people feel frustrated or sad, frustrated still kind of in the angry category, resentful is in the angry category, but you'll find that they're sad or they're afraid of something. And that's a thought you do want to hear. What are you afraid of, you know? Um, but when you start sharing on feelings, you start to really connect with people, and you know when you feel like someone is understanding how you feel we you really feel more connected with them. Don't say so again, what you're thinking about something, say how you feel about that thing again there's there's vulnerability there there's true connection there there's communication there so as you're maybe even talking about something that happened before, and you want to now have a good communi- a good conversation about it, you can start by saying, "Hey, I want to talk to you about this thing. I have to admit, I'm feeling kind of anxious about it. Um, you know." Th- and then you can set an intention if you want right there. See how I'm mixing up all the tools here. Uh, you know, my intention is to really be calm and focused when I'm talking to you, and I'm hoping you can really listen. I'd love to hear how you feel uh, talking about. That argument we had yesterday what have your feelings been about it and again they'll probably tell you their thoughts you know well, I got over it I'm fine that's not a feeling you know what are your feelings about it? Well, and a lot of times people will finally get to I feel kind of helpless or hopeless that we're having the same argument over and over and we never seem to come up with a answer or we come up with answers and then we don't stick to them and something else happens right all of that stuff so you've got to go into the conversation right a little a little differently okay. Tool number nine, go, and I just did this on a recent podcast, but it's a good one, so I'm gonna repeat it here. I want you to go into, if you're really trying to communicate effectively, go into the conversation trying to learn something, not prove something first. Trying to learn something, not prove something first. When you go into the conversation with that you know, feeling like I'm right and you're wrong and I'm gonna make you see that, You end up spending your time defending your position. That's what you're doing because you have a position. I'm over here and you're over there. And so you're not listening. So they're talking, you say your thing and then they get defensive, right? And then you get defensive and you're thinking as they're talking about your rebuttal, you're not listening anymore. You're thinking about your rebuttal and what you're gonna say instead. So you you got to get out of that. You're trying to prove something. You're trying, you know, that makes you want to defend it. That makes you want to give all the facts. And again, notice that I'm not connecting on feelings. I'm connecting on content and I'm not going to connect. I'm not going to communicate the same way. So instead go into the conversation with that intention of learning something about why this person is acting the way they are or why they said the thing they did. Or, why they're not doing a thing that you want them to do, go in with this intention first of trying to understand, and again, you can even say that out loud, I really want to understand where you're coming you know where you're coming from about blah, blah blah. so after that, you can bring in your thoughts and opinions and all that good stuff, but first, you really because it's going to change how you react to them or what questions more questions you ask, or even how you feel about it when you hear what's really going on for them, right? When you hear them really talk about this thing. And I can't say it enough. I've said it many times. There's no ultimate right or wrong. I'm sorry. I know you feel like there should be, but there's not. Your opinion about something isn't a fact. It's your preference. It is your preference. That's what it is. If I i had a couple in the other day who had agreed in their relationship that, um, before it, they got together, uh, he agreed to not watch porn. He's like, she really didn't like it. She was upset by it that he did that. And he said, sure, I do, won't do it. And, you know, this happens a lot where he said that, but he didn't really mean it because his feeling was, well, it's not really hurting her. She doesn't understand. It's not a big deal. And, you know, I watch porn occasionally. What, you know, it's not a problem. And so she found out about it, of course, because people almost always do. And then there was obviously much, you know, now you're a liar and you're not telling the truth and da-da-da, you know, all this stuff. And and her thing in session was, well, he has to stop. He promised me before we got married that he was going to stop. And now we're married and he hasn't stopped. So I'm right and he's wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, end of story. End of. And it's just, I wish life was that simple, but it's not. So... We have to back up from that and back up into again. Do you want to be correct or effective? Do you do you want to connect? You have to connect to correct. Do you want you have to go back to all the things I was talking about? And you got to get curious. What is it that he was thinking that made him feel like this was this was okay to lie about? And in that conversation, by the way, he finally understood. She said, like, well, I don't know what else you're lying about then. Like you're deciding for us as a couple, what's okay and what's not without really including me, or if I disagree with it, with excluding me. And so now I don't know where I can trust you or not with how we're deciding things. And he was able to really hear that. He did a great job. They both did a great job. Um, And obviously I'm, (laughs) this took more than one session. Uh, I'm not, I'm not that good. Uh, you know, it it took a little bit of of teasing and tethering out. But when she was finally able to really talk about what it meant to her, it wasn't about really the porn. It was about that he lied at this point. It was that he lied about it and that he was now deciding. And she said, like, do you do that with money? I don't even know. And she was really open and really asking from such a wonderful way that he was answering really honestly. They had a wonderful conversation about it. And she's like, I just don't know what else you're deciding is best for us or that I shouldn't have to worry about. And then I don't have any control. I don't have any say in it. It just feels really crappy. And she's, and I use the example. I said, well, if she was cheating on you and having sex with someone else, but felt like it wasn't affecting you because she had decided that, and wasn't telling you, would you then say, hey, you know, and you didn't even know about it. And maybe, maybe you never knew, never even knew it was a thing. And and maybe one day she finally felt guilty and said something. And then you're like, oh, the relationship is trash, you know, or maybe you did find out, but whatever, like you don't get to decide what another person is going to think or feel about something, you know, that's something you have to do together. So, you know, shifting this and really understanding that your preference is that, so here, her preference was that he didn't watch porn. It was her preference, but it wasn't right. It wasn't the only right thing. It, 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 He wasn't just all wrong and horrible because he was. Like, you have to just sort of get out of that. It's about his preference was watching porn and her not being bothered by it. That was his preference. Her preference was his not watching porn, period. And again, the issue there was about the lying, not about the porn itself. And really what, if they had done this earlier, and that's of course what we talked about, he could have had that conversation with her earlier and not agreed to something that he didn't agree with, um, that he wasn't going to do, that he wasn't having any plan of doing so that they could really talk about it from a different perspective. And by the way, her, her opinion about porn started to shift and change as we were having these conversations, and she got much less black and white about it. So again, there's just like this whole conversation here that's very rich and wonderful but we often avoid them because we you know don't want to rock the boat or we've decided what's right or uh we don't want to be bothered you know or we want to do what we want to do and we don't want someone to bother us about it but you you know there's lots of space in here for lots of different conversations okay and number 10 one of my favorites is you got to up your empathy game that is top, tool number 10. And especially you want to separate empathy and sympathy. I talk about this a lot. When and, and I will link in the show notes, of course, and in the blog and everywhere to all, you know, I did a whole episode on empathy and all these other things that I've been talking about. I did whole episodes on these different little areas. So I'll link to all that. But let me just say this here. When you feel sympathy for someone, sympathy is beautiful, but we you want to jump in and do for them. Okay. So that's what happens when you feel sympathy. So maybe you're, I had another, another couple, uh, she, um, he was complaining about his weight. Actually, he, he had gained a lot of weight. She was sort of, they were both kind of into fitness and he fell out of fitness with this like full-time job and all this stuff. And she was still really into her fitness. And, uh, <laughs> He was complaining about his weight, and so she, you know, was kind of coming in, and she said, "I felt really bad," and she did. She felt bad for him, and she was. But what happened was, she kept because she knew. She said, "Yeah, he's got this horrible commute now, and he's got this job that stresses him out all the time, and it, it's hard. We have the kids. Like, I get it. You know," she said. Uh, she had sympathy. She said, "My job has more flexibility. I'm able to work out in the middle of the day. I'm, you know, da 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 da." And, but what was happening when you have sympathy, you want to jump in and do for somebody. So she kept trying to like fix it. You know, she kept trying to give him all these helpful suggestions. She was sacking, but she was, she was really, you know, felt, and he just felt less and less heard in that process. Right. Cause he, he just saw all these things he should, more he should be doing. He felt criticized in the process because he wasn't doing all the fabulous suggestions she said. And. But but that's what happens, you know, when we feel sympathy for somebody, we want to jump in and do for them. And that's fine if your best friend's dad died, you know, and you want to like, oh, can we cook meals? Can I bring them over? What can I do for you? That's great. But it's not great when your partner's, you know, having trouble with someone at work or your, you know, friend has gained weight or, you know, it's not good there. There we need empathy. And empathy means you have compassion for how they're feeling, okay? compassion for how they're feeling and can even take on that feeling yourself To really be there with them in in whatever pain they're having or frustration they're having So here's how I want you to do that I'm gonna give you a little quick tip or you can listen to the whole episode, but But to get more but when someone shares something that upset them But it's not something that would upset you. That's the thing. It's generally when they're sharing something that upset them It's either something that hasn't happened to you. So yeah, it would upset me if I had it maybe, but I can't even imagine it because it's never happened to me. Or it's, they're sharing something. You're like, oh my God, why is this upsetting them? This is so crazy. They're overreacting. So either way, if they're sharing something with you that upset them, When you don't, when it's something, right, you don't relate to, it's hard to find the compassion or the patience, or again, this empathy for what they're experiencing. And that's because you're, you're really focusing on the wrong thing. So to show empathy, your first goal. So what I want you to do is just identify what the other person is feeling. Do your best to just do that. If it's your partner, if it's whoever. And that's what I did with this couple at the time. I said, uh, you know, let's identify how to, I said to this wife, let's identify how your husband's feeling. And he had trouble with that at first too. And, but she, you know, they were able to go there together. And so she's like, oh, well, probably just, you know, I said, so you keep making these suggestions and he just feels overwhelmed. Like he can't do them. You f- and she was really able to go there. She's like, oh God, you just feel so helpless and hopeless and like nothing's ever going to change. And maybe like, I don't love him anymore. And like, I don't, or I don't find him attractive or whatever. Right. She's, she's really feel, and these are thoughts and feelings, but she's really in it. It was great. So now instead of focusing on that circumstance, like, because in this instance, right, this wife was able to stay very fit even and make things happen, even given all these changes in their circumstance. But instead, so, so and she couldn't relate to that with him. Like there's all, that's what all the suggestions were. There was all these ways he could lose weight. He could get back to exercise and eat better, but he wasn't doing them. So she really couldn't put herself in his shoes, but. I said, instead, so don't focus on that. I want you to focus, put yourself instead of in their circumstance or their situation, I wanted her to focus on the feeling. And then I said to her, think of a time when you've had that feeling, where you feel hopeless, where you feel helpless, where you feel like no matter what you're doing won't change. And she was right there because she had a sort of an evil uh, stepdad and growing up and that had been an issue. And she- Just often felt like no matter what, you know, she would tell her mom things he was doing and nothing would change. And, you know, she was a kid and she felt like whatever she did to try to get away from him or to try to get around, you know, or try to let someone know what was happening, nothing changed. So talk about feeling helpless and hopeless. She was right there. And in that, she just was, I said, just be in that feeling for just a moment. I know it's uncomfortable, but I want you to just be there for in a moment. And sure enough, you know, she's tearing up. And she says to him, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I was part of making you feel this way. I feel terrible. I love you. This is the worst feeling ever. You know, they connected. I got goosebumps remembering it. It was the most beautiful session because that's empathy. And from there, communication's a piece of friggin' cake. I have to tell you right now, it's a piece of cake. Once you're there, it's, it's not hard. So finding empathy, again, listen, maybe listen to the whole episode on that. It'll probably be helpful. But that is the, it's my 10th tool, but it's really like the wrap up tool that no matter what else, if you want to communicate effectively, when you can find your empathy bone, when you can find that little place where you guys connect in that feeling and you can be there with that person for a moment and you can, from there, you can, you know, don't be afraid to crawl a little bit in the hole with them, right? And then together you can pull out, you know, you can then, because you, you can get out of there easily. You're not all stuck in there. So you can, you know, give them a little, put put your lace your fingers together and give them a, a lift up, you know, and out of the hole. You can uh, get on all fours and let them walk up on your back out of the hole, but you're gonna pull yourself out easily. That's not the problem. So, but joining with the person in some way And letting them know, again, that you see the tiger, you're not trying to fix the tiger, you're trying to see the tiger, that you see it, that you're there with them, and we're together on this, that is the thing that's really going to move the communication forward. That's the thing that's going to create that connection. We did it. Ladies and gentlemen, the 200th episode is in the can. I'm um, very excited. I can't I can't believe it. I never in a million years would have thought when I started this that I would still be sitting here. I don't know what I thought when I started uh, and talking to people from all over the world. I've gotten emails from Malaysia and Russia and, uh, oh my, I'm leaving everyone, and Sweden and Ireland and Scotland and the UK and Canada and all over Australia. You go, Australians. Um, I mean... Everywhere you can imagine, it's been amazing that the people that have written to me, see I'll cry, people have written to me and um, talked to me and connected to me, and I am um, so grateful. I wouldn't be here without you right now. So, and you've helped me grow. I've grown so much in these last couple of years and last few years. I continue to grow every time I do the podcast and every time I do an episode, every time I hear from you, and I couldn't be more grateful. So I will be gone for two weeks. And in the meantime, if you want, you can go to the website. You can download all the wonderful things I talked about today. You could uh, sign up for my weekly love letter, which will still be happening. Uh, Although those two weeks, it'll be a little bit light, but it'll be there. Uh, I do a weekly love letter just meant to inspire you and help you have a wonderful week. And so, um, you know, that's what it's there for. So you can do it on the website. You can go to abbymeckeff.com and right at the top, it says love letter. And that's it. I guess this is my love letter to you right now that I love you, that I am grateful, grateful, grateful and so appreciative for our relationship and for what we do together. And uh, I can't wait to see you in August. Have a wonderful rest of your summer and I'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute first I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected hopeful confident that's always my goal so if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi let me know what the podcast is doing for you anything you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com how simple is that And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymedcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon.